Chapter Three of the Fairy of the Snows by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Introducing Michael, the office boy, and showing Alice Morrow in her first known dance. I say, father," said my faithful office boy Michael, toward the end of February. Alice Morrow is very fond of reading. Indeed. Yes, father. She likes fairy stories especially. Quite natural," I made answer. Every little child ought to like fairy tales. Yes, father. But you see, she hasn't much of a chance at home. They have no books. Well, Michael, what are you driving at? The fact is, Alice has hinted to me several times that she'd like you to loan her some books to read. Oh, that's it, is it? And she paid you an awful compliment. She did. Let's have it. She said that any book you recommended or picked out for her would be just three times as interesting because you picked it out. What an imagination the child must have. She considers you a tin god, father. She didn't use that expression, young man. No, but that's what it came to. She wants to know whether there's any chance of you being the next pope. Did you undeceive her? Sure I did. I told her you didn't want the job. A very nice way of putting it. I commented. Michael, be it remarked, was just turned fifteen, and in his youthful simplicity thought that the papal dignity might be mine for the asking. He is older now and knows better. I told her you was a— What's that? I interrupted. I beg pardon. I told her you were— I thank you, Michael. A Jesuit priest, and that you wouldn't accept any what you may call it. Quite clear, Michael. Well, I did make it clear. I said you couldn't be a bishop or a cardinal or anything of the kind, and she said you ought to stop being a Jesuit then. Michael, are you and Miss Alice trying to tempt me against my vocation? Not at all, father. I wouldn't want you to be a bishop on any account. Who'd run this school then? Children are hero worshippers. If they don't find heroes in their daily round, they create them out of the common clay. Well, to return to Alice, I'm glad you told me that she wanted books to read. The child seems to have a fine imagination. She walks in fairyland. What a pity so many little boys and girls with their starving imagination! What a pity so many little boys and girls with their imaginations hungering for the wonderful are starved because to them fairyland is an unknown country. See that Alice comes to my office at the morning recess. At recess, accordingly, Alice duly tripped in. She was all smiles and gladness. About her tiny person radiated youth and hope and spring. Good morning, father. I'm awfully glad you sent for me. I haven't had a chance to talk to you in three weeks. I've counted the days. You know, we don't come to your office unless you send for us. Sister Dorothy says you're a very busy man, and you'd have no time for yourself at all if everybody came running in on you every time they felt like it. I suppose, Alice, you'd like me to send for you occasionally? Oh, yes, father, I should like it dearly. How often about? Twice a day, was the prompt answer. Do you like to read books, Alice? Oh, cried Alice, rising on her toes, rolling her eyes upwards, and remaining thus ecstatically while she spoke. I should say I do. I just love any storybook, and I dearly love fairy tales. Saying which, Alice's feet settled once more upon the floor. In avowing that she dearly loved fairy tales, 
she had thrown out her hands in such wise that she gave one the impression that she was about to fly away michael giggled he was seated at his desk with his face in profile i turned and looked hard at michael who at once changed his smiles into blushes have you finished addressing those envelopes michael no father i'll be through soon you know i'm waiting for them i said dryly thus extinguishing michael now alice i'm going to loan you a book of fairy tales grimm's fairy tales and you have my permission to come to the office when you are ready to bring the book back then you'll get another book with the same permission and so on michael yes father i hate to interrupt you michael but would you kindly slip into the inner office and get grimm's tales out of my bookcase it'll only take you a minute or so you know this sounds like sarcasm but michael called it rubbing it in and on the whole enjoyed it don't you like michael father inquired alice when that young gentleman had gone into the further room i certainly do why do you talk to him that way then if you talked to me like that i'd feel just terrible i hope then i'll never talk to you in that way alice as for michael we have our own little ways of exchanging thought oh i see say ain't boys funny michael saved me the trouble of pursuing this rather vast subject by returning with the desired book oh thank you father thank you ever so much cried alice i don't care now whether we have supper or not to-night what's that isn't papa working he's just lost his job i looked closely at alice's face the roses of her cheeks were again in full bloom her complexion always fine was evidently clearer than on the occasion of her apparition as the fairy of the snows during the past six weeks all had gone well with the morals the man had had steady employment the children thanks to miss margaret and her sisters had been supplied with warm clothes and good shoes in a word as michael had observed we had put them on their feet and they had stayed put there is little of romance in dealing with the very poor outside the story-books of course little romance and still less gratitude if one were working for earthly appreciation it would in nineteen cases out of twenty be time wasted but one is working for christ and besides the saving grace of it all humanly speaking is that there is always hope for the children the fathers and mothers are too often idle and given either to drink or to gambling they cumber the ground however as regards the morrow family we were dealing it would seem with the twentieth case they were grateful they were on their feet and they gave promise of being able to keep without outside help or from the door alice favored me as she departed with her famous curtsy on seeing which michael incontentedly rushed into the inner office where i heard him choking hard in a vain endeavor not to be heard by me the boy had a sense of humor thank god he was very poor as the world regards such matters but no one is really poor who has an eye for the incongruous chancing to go out into the vestibule on my way to the music room across from the office i glanced down the cloister-like hallway between the classrooms miss alice holding the book on high as though it were a tambourine was executing a passiole body whirling hands and feet flying i recalled miss margaret's remark about the danseuse little as i knew of the poetry of motion it was clear to my somewhat astonished eyes that the fairy of the snows was one of the few with the natural gift of translating feeling joy at least into motion while i was still staring almost spellbound the fairy suddenly disappeared the book came down into a human hand the flying arm and the flying feet shot into positions most demure and alice morrow no longer the fairy was walking along with a sedateness which was plainly more than natural 
the head sister had just come out of a classroom alice had illustrated to me the saying of the prestigitator we move so quickly that we deceive the eye the sister saw nothing and i certainly did not tell her End of chapter three recording by maria therese